Welcome to Super Entrepreneurs Podcast. Today we have with us Dana Monsis. How are you, Dana? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Oh, no problem at all. I'm so happy that you took the time to come on the show. Uh, we always like to kind of allow our guests to introduce themselves and all the great things that you're involved with. Oh, thank you. So my name's Dana Monsies. Um, I'm a dietitian, nutritionist, and body image coach. Um, and I specialize in, with my clients, a kind of blend of functional medicine, integrative health, and non-diet nutrition. So most of the people that I work with have a history of disordered eating or kind of this on and off the wagon dieting cycle that they're just so sick of. But at the same time, they usually have these clinical symptoms that they're coming to me for and they don't know what to do. So they're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place of, you know, I've got bloating or I've got gut issues or I've got thyroid issues, but I really don't want to be doing these elimination diets anymore. So uh -huh. they're caught and then they come to me and we find their way out. <laughs> so how can you explain that find the, their way out? Like, how do you do that exactly? Yeah. So uh -huh. The interesting thing about um, when people come to me is they're like, okay, you're a dietitian. You're just going to give me a list of foods to eat and not eat, which is exactly just the a, opposite of what it's I just, do. It's, it's a perception, right? Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny also because, you know, it kind of comes with the territory of people here. Oh, you're a dietitian, you know, just like out in the world and friends and stuff. Oh, so do you eat super healthy? Like, are you on diets all the time? All the time. Like, like, no, quite the opposite, actually. Yeah. So the interesting thing about me is one of the first things that I always do when I work with people is I do an assessment of what is your relationship with food like? What is your stress around food like? What is your body image? Because in the clinical realm, people talk all the time about how chronic stress is the one of the number one causes of disease processes. And we know how chronic stress can really impact the thyroid and the adrenals, your hormones and your gut symptoms too. But the interesting thing is not enough people, in my opinion, are talking about, well, what about the impact of stress around food and the stress that many, many people carry around every single day of, I hate my body, I'm dissatisfied with my body and everything like that, and how that can actually translate to very real clinical symptoms. So one of the first things that I'll do with people in addition to doing a symptom assessment, seeing what vitamins, medications they're on, looking at their lab work, stool testing if they have it, is also talking to them about how Everything you think you know about nutrition is really just weight control advice. And we need to figure out of how can we use nutrition in a therapeutic way instead of focusing on, oh, you have this condition, eliminate these foods. It's gotten to the point in functional medicine where a lot of people are kind of using elimination diets like traditional doctors use medications. Mm -hmm. So Forever, I try right? and provide an, yeah, right. Right. And you, you get put on, you know, an acid blocker or something, which is really you're just supposed to be on for six weeks and then you're on it for 20 years. And then people are wondering, I don't know why I still have these health conditions. And, you know, it's it's really not a fault of the doctors. It's the way that our mm -hmm. medical system is set up in the U.S. Mm -hmm. at least. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't want to be, you know, throwing blame everywhere. Of here. course. Yeah. Um, but just you know, providing an alternative way to think about things. And one of the things that I love to do with people is a lot of re-education about nutrition, how it can be very healing when you use it in an abundant and add in kind of way, and also working on your relationship with food and your body image, which can translate to real changes in your clinical symptoms. So really, it, it comes from the foundation of stress, 
that even would cause these problems that they would need a dietitian. So it kind of spans backwards to the stress if you look if you look back. Yeah, definitely. And you know, it's the stress is a massive piece of it. It's obviously not going to be the only thing, mm-hmm. right? I'm not going to be out here saying, "Oh, you're, you know, the stress you have about food is causing mm-hmm. your autoimmune disease and yeah. you know, causing everything." But it's a big piece of the puzzle that I find is very overlooked. So this is like, were you always in this? Is this your own business, right? So were you before this, you were working somewhere or was it you always had a business? Um, so <laughs> long trajectory to get here. So I actually used to work in politics. Oh. Um, I live in the D.C. area. Um, and so, I mean, I guess this was six, seven years ago at this point. Um, and as soon as I graduated from college, my whole life, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer, go to law school. I grew up in the DC area too. And so it seemed like a very natural Mm -hmm. trajectory. Um, so after I graduated from college, I worked on a campaign and then I worked in consulting for a while, which was really sucking my soul. Um, and then I started to have all of my own health problems, which later I found out I got diagnosed with celiac disease and I had a bunch of other gut issues and thyroid issues and stuff. So I started like a lot of people do, you get a diagnosis or you have a lot of symptoms and no doctors can figure out what's, you know, quote wrong with you. You kind of take it upon yourself and you start doing a lot of research. So I found the whole, you know, food is medicine paradigm. And I was like, whoa, I can heal myself with food. Mm -hmm. So I got really interested in that, um, decided to go back to school while I was still working to get a health coaching degree. And then I was like, this is cool, but not enough for me. Um, And in Maryland, where I live, you can't practice nutrition unless you're a licensed nutritionist or dietitian. So I figured that is the route I have to go. Mm -hmm. So I went back to grad school for that and started my own business. And a couple of years later, here we are. <laughs> so it's been two years since self-employed. It has been, it'll be coming up on six years. Actually. Six years yeah. total. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's great. How has the journey been? Um, It's definitely been um, a journey. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as anytime you have your own business, there's a lot of figuring it out for yourself. There's a lot of, you know, blood, sweat, and tears for lack of a better word. And there's also, you know, a lot of figuring out of, I have to do the business side of things. I have to be able to, you know, make a profit to support my life. But at the same time, you've got to be doing something that you enjoy, at least in my opinion, and that you are also feeling very fulfilled when you're doing it. And so in that light, I've taken a lot of turns and changes of where my business kind of niche was. So when I was first in school and first out of school, I really was doing a lot of the oh, you have this problem, here's this elimination diet because that's mm-hmm. what we're taught yeah. as dietitians and nutritionists. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I realized when I was taking people through these programs and stuff and they still had so much stress around food and the whole, you know, like, well, what about my weight started to come up and all this body image stuff. And I was like, wait, wait, wait a minute. Like we're talking about stress all the time, but not the stress that going on these protocols and cycling through these protocols is causing people. And we're completely ignoring the fact that many people who come to a dietitian or nutritionist who primarily have GI problems and cholesterol problems and thyroid problems, a lot of them have a history of disordered eating, of going through all of these different protocols and stuff. And if you have somebody who has a history of disordered eating or really even just like an all or nothing mentality with food, if you give them an elimination diet, you're just contributing to the stress and mm-hmm. then the stress disease process if it goes on for long enough. So I kind of had this like business existential crisis of, am I contributing to this problem? 
And so then I completely shifted my philosophy to where I am now. And it's it's taken a good like two years to really iron out what I how I wanted to change everything like that and what that would actually look like when I worked with clients. A lot of like self-experimentation, seeing what worked, what people liked and what they didn't like and just, you know, always fine tuning things. And now here we are. That's awesome. That's great. So I want to talk to you about the specifically the diet, you know, being in ketosis and intermittent fasting. What are your views on those uh, together? So, I mean, like as a combined, they oh, do okay. keto- like not just ketosis, but ke- intermittent fasting with ketosis being in ketosis. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So from our research perspective, ketosis and like the keto diet was really designed for kids that had epilepsy um, or other, you know, like mental health conditions, because doctors found and researchers found that the brain's primary fuel is glucose, carbohydrate, sugar, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're able to switch that fuel source by primarily consuming fats, moderate protein and low carbohydrate in the brain, they say that, um, you know, the fuel is a lot cleaner. So kids were having fewer episodes, you know, fewer, um, you know, schizophrenic episodes mm-hmm. and, you know, stuff like that, which mm-hmm. is really great, you know, mm-hmm. for that population of people. But anytime something like that is discovered, you know, the capitalistic marketing machine that is the country that we live in and the civilization we live in is like, ooh, wait, low carb, we can turn this into a weight loss diet, right? And for some people, it works really well. For a lot of people, especially the populations that I work with, it further further just contributes to this. Now we have even more fears around food and we have even more, you know, rules and food shoulds and everything. And then when they come to me, some people are eating as little as like five foods because they've done, you know, um, like paleo and they've done intermittent fasting and they've done keto and they've done all these things. And so then they're like, I have all these rules and I just don't know what to eat anymore. Now, like I said before, I do work with a specific niche of people, right? So that's not everybody. But generally what I find is that when people start to do keto and intermittent fasting, it really depends on where their life stress levels are because fasting or not eating is another stress on the body, right? Like whether or not you think that it's a stress, it is a physical stress on the body because you're not giving the body what it wants, food except during certain time windows, right? And carb restriction is also another stress on the body. So if you're living a stress-free life and you know, you're know you doing fine and everything, it might be okay for you, right? To be clear, I never recommend this for anybody that I ever work with. But as a you know nutrition professional, I feel like I should give my opinion, right? Um, that being said, the interesting thing is when I've seen women do this in particular, happens when you're fasting and if you're low carbohydrate, a cortisol response can happen in the body, which cortisol is the hormone produced in response to stress. What can happen there is then whenever cortisol is produced, you're activating your fight or flight nervous system. And then your blood sugar can increase, your heart rate increases, like all of these different physiological symptoms that happen if you're, you know, swerving away from a car in traffic or running away from a bear, if we use a far back example. If this continues to happen over time, we're now stuck back in the stress disease process, which is not a good thing. So answer in nutrition, I always say is it depends. So I would say if that's something that you want to do, I would definitely recommend working with somebody so that they can check on all of your, you know, genetic markers, your blood markers and stuff, because this protocol is 
there are some people for whom it's really not appropriate for them based on the way that their body metabolizes fats and stuff like that. For example, if you have a gallbladder, you should not do keto because you don't have the raw materials to break down enough fats and you're just going to be having what I like to call disaster pants all the time. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, that was, I didn't realize that one. Yeah, it could happen, right? <laughs> Um, so, but you hear a lot of people being on intermittent fasting and keto, they find that they, they have so much more energy. Like for example, like when I'm on it, like I'm on it all the time, but when I'm on it, my energy level, my happiness level, because I do a lot of mindset training as well. So it's hard to gauge if it's the food or that. Right. But I know that I feel amazing when I'm on it. Like I feel incredible, like unreal, incredible. And when I'm not on it, if I break it for some reason, before I used to do that a lot, I used to be like seasonal. Uh, but since, you know, for a long time now, I've been quite determined. Um, but be, when I change, see that switch, you know, it would, I would feel it. I'll say, oh my God, I'm missing out on something. You know, so I, I, I want that energy back. I want that happiness. I want those things back. So I go back on it. Then again, the beginning is hard. The first two weeks, you know, the headaches and all that. But after that, it just, you're, I don't know how to explain it. So, and a lot of people talk about that feeling and that energy level. So is it just based on the person? Because there's bad as, as well, right? Some people, you know, they don't respond that well to it, right? So is it just the, yeah. the DNA of the person? Um, it can partially be DNA and genetics, but it's also, you know, what's going on in your body. So for mm -hmm. example, the gallbladder example, do you have enough digestive enzymes to be able to break down that much fat? Mm -hmm. Do you have adequate stomach acid in order to break down those proteins? Because the other thing is, if you, let's say your stress bucket is completely full. So you've been traveling all the time for work, you know, non-COVID, but you know, you're <laughs> living in a global pandemic, like, it's coming. All this, right. It's coming. <laughs> like all this other stuff is happening. And then you decide to try this new protocol, right? It might not work for you because again, we've got the cortisol response, the fasting response, the keto response, even just switching from, you know, being primarily a glucose burner to a, uh, you know, a ketone burner is a physiological stress on the body. So if your bucket is too full, if you've also got the genetic piece, if you've also got the enzymes piece, the stomach acid piece, recipe for disaster. But not everybody has that, right? So some people like you will feel fantastic on keto and intermittent fasting. I do find it works a lot better for men than it does for women, at oh, least really? in my anecdotal mm -hmm. experience and some research as well. Oh, that's good. That's good to know. So if someone that's on this diet, for example, and, you know, over... 40 plus age group um is is recommended to work with uh with a dietitianist like someone like you right like during mm -hmm. the the whole phase and do you guys do actual testing as well to find out what the you know what's going on in the blood and everything as well yeah so specifically for keto now i don't specialize in doing you know keto nutrition mm -hmm. or anything but mm -hmm. i have friends who do and so they'll do you know the ketone testing mm -hmm. sometimes they'll do at least in my state, dietitians can't order blood testing, so you would have to get okay. that through your doctor. Mm -hmm. um, but doing blood testing is always really helpful. helpful um, yeah. And then stool testing is helpful as well to make sure you're actually digesting all of the fat that you're eating. Mm -hmm. um, so with, you know, not to talk about poop, but when you're doing <laughs> stool testing, there are markers to see yeah. is there excess fat in the stool. If that's mm -hmm. the case, then you probably need to, if you don't want to switch, um, you probably need to sub supplement with some kind of digestive enzymes to make sure that you're actually absorbing all of the nutrients that you're eating. Yeah. But you know, I've, the funny thing is I don't, I don't think um, I eat that much of a 
fat, you know, like I don't like my dinner is usually like, you know, veggies, uh, the asparagus mm-hmm. and stuff like that with some cheese. And I'll have like, you know, a couple pieces of chicken sometimes, sometimes lamb. Right. So uh, it's usually it's not like like because of the intermittent fasting, I'm not consuming that much fat mm-hmm. so maybe that's why as well because keto you can come you can get to a certain level that you're eating a lot of fat right yeah yeah and i mean that's that's the kind of um and again i'm not in the keto world really mm-hmm. but i do know that there's a lot of debate between like oh you know you can't even eat carrots if you're keto yeah. or you know and and people will get fanatical about yeah. you know any of this kind of stuff <laughs> yeah. so really it's and it sounds like you're doing what works best for you and that's mm-hmm. always what i come back to right like yeah. if the way that you're eating feels good you're not having clinical symptoms you know you're mm-hmm. sleeping well your energy mm-hmm. is good your skin is clean your digestion is good sounds like what you're doing is working you know awesome if you're not able to check all of those boxes, but you're still insistent on doing this protocol, probably good to get, you know, a second set of eyes Mm. on what you're doing. So just so people can check, you know, like, are you taking the right supplements? Are you not taking any, you know, what about the balance of macronutrients that you have? Maybe you're just missing a certain nutrient in what Mm. you're eating. Mm-hmm. So your niche that you work with, you're mostly working with hospitals then? No. So I work in pra- practice okay. um, and I work with patients mostly one-on-one. I also do online group coaching programs, but oh. right now I'm mostly focusing on one-on-one. And I get, mostly I work off referrals um, from people in my area. So it'll be like, I work with some personal trainers who send me referrals um, you know, physical therapists, a mm. lot of therapists in my area, mm. especially if I've got people who are dealing with, you know, depression, anxiety, eating disorders or disordered eating, I'll get a lot of referrals from there too. But yeah, mm. I don't work in a hospital and I'm very grateful that I don't. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I can imagine. So this whole COVID thing, right? Did it, did you branch off to the online world like I did and many other entrepreneurs? Did it, did it shift? I know you're saying that you get a lot of your patients locally uh, through referrals, but have you taken your business online? So I had luckily always been online. Okay. Um, so I was always primarily online and then I would also see some patients in person, but it was probably like a 75-25 split in terms of online 75% and in person 25%. I've also worked as a swim coach for the past 12 years, I want to mm. say. And so some of my clients are also, you know, swimmers or families of swimmers. So all that's going to be local as well. But since COVID, um, everything has been 100% online. But I do consider myself pretty lucky in that I already had an online platform where, yeah, like where I saw clients, everything's Mm -hmm. privacy protected. I had Mm -hmm. all the systems down and everything. Wow, perfect. That could have been disaster. Yeah, well, for (laughs) me, we were all brick and mortar. So it was a big... uh, big uh, awakening call, you know, that uh, if you're not online, uh, it's not going to be good for you. So this was a a really good wake up call. And there's a lot of business that were already in the in the online space like yourself, but there's so many that were not and but it actually pushed them to go online. Because really, if you want to take your business next level, you have to be online. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it was funny. So speaking of like the physical therapy practice that I work with, um, Mm. they were obviously all 
in person. And yeah. so the nice thing about having a referral network of practitioner friends in the area is you all help each other out, you know? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. when COVID was first happening and all of the, you know, the gyms and the pers the personal trainers and physical therapists were like, we don't know what to do. I was like, Hey, don't worry. Like I can help you a little bit. I can't give you all of my time, but I'm mm -hmm. happy to help you, you know, set up like an online platform or how to do online courses or anything like that. I mean, it was really just survival mode for everybody and trying to help out who you could. It's so true. Uh, I I owned a, a medical clinic as well, a facility here in Toronto, Canada. And, you know, I work with physical therapists and chiropractors and massage therapists. So I know that realm. Uh, <laughs> uh, but that's great. I, we always like to ask our guests, like, what is their superpower, inner superpower that got them to this point in their life? Let's see. Um, this is going to sound so cheesy. It's okay. It's okay. There's <laughs> um, no right or wrong answer. It's just really. No, I know. I mean, I think the the thing that has helped me the most in business is I'm a very determined person, but also I really care about people. Um, and I think you you have to do that if you're in you know a service based business. Is like I really care about my clients and their well being and everything. And a big reason of why I got into nutrition in the first place is I never wanted anybody to have to go through the same mess in terms of illnesses and everything that I did when I was younger. And that's the whole one of the whole reasons that I got into nutrition in the first place of I want to teach people how to heal using, you know, non-traditional, I guess, medicine modalities, because to be quite honest, traditional medicine had failed me. I'd been in and out of, you know, doctor's offices for years and nobody could figure out what was wrong with me when mm -hmm. the only thing that was really wrong with me was I had celiac disease, which means I was eating gluten and my body has an autoimmune reaction to gluten, oh. which means I can't eat it. But nobody ever asked me what I was eating. And it just, it seems so simple at this point and kind of a given now, because I think a lot more doctors do talk about food with their patients and stuff. But to me at that time, also being in my early 20s, I was like, this is a failure of traditional medicine. And I want to, <laughs> yeah. you know, find an alternative route and everything. And obviously I, you know, have grown from that. And mm -hmm. traditional medicine is extremely important, right? For, I mean, we've seen over the past year, but for a lot of other reasons too, right? And so I think, you know, me always wanting to look out for my patients and make sure that they weren't trapped in the same cycle that I was in of just being, you know, bounced around from a bunch of different practitioners and not knowing what was wrong and having to figure out not everything, but most things on my own. And then it taking years of schooling to get there. It was like, okay, well, I now have all of this knowledge and this practical experience and, you know, working with patients and everything. Let's try and help people so that they don't have to go through that multiple year, mm -hmm. you know, thousands of dollars journeys that I did. Well, that's great. That's great. Thank you so much for that. Is there any kind of recommendation you want to share with anyone, you know, looking to get into this kind of business that you're in? So I would say if you want to get into nutrition, there's a couple different ways you can go. So, <laughs> Funny anecdote, a lot of people um, get into nutrition because they're obsessed with food, um, right? <laughs> it's like, and they're mm. just, I'm really good at dieting and I want to like learn how to teach other people how to do diets. Yeah, it really mm. is. So I would say if you're interested in looking in, the first thing that I would do would be to look up the laws in your state um, because nutrition is kind of tricky. If you go the registered dietitian route, you can practice anywhere. There are a lot of online nutrition programs that have a lot of great information in them, 
But if you do those and you don't meet the laws of your state, you can't legally practice there. So that's mm-hmm. the first thing that I would do. And I'm pretty sure the website is um, nutritionadvocacy.org where you okay. can look up your state and the laws of your state. It is a little bit different right now during COVID for telehealth, but in general, you do have to have a certain degree of licensure in order to practice in most states in the US. So mm-hmm. I would start there. And then the two main routes that most people will go will either be a registered dietitian or a licensed nutritionist. Both of those, I think as of next year, maybe even this year, um, require a master's degree. Mm. So yeah, so the dietitian route used to be an undergraduate degree. And then you would do your clinical rounds have to get depending on the state, about a thousand hours of clinical supervision Mm -hmm. and then take your board exam, which at least in Maryland is the same for a licensed nutritionist, but it was a master's degree. Now both of them are master's degrees. So I would just do some research. You know, most of the dietetics programs are mostly based on the government's dietary guidelines. It's very clinical in the sense of like, here's the vitamins that you need and we're gonna, you know, not every dietitian is like that, but that's mostly what the schooling is like. The program that I did at Maryland University of Integrative Health is more of a holistic approach. So we do like a lot of lab testing and we do whole body analysis as opposed to just here's the diet and here's what you should be eating. Granted, I didn't go through the dietetics program, right? So this is just what I've heard from other dietitian friends and everything. But yeah, I mean, if you're interested, I would first look up the laws of your state and then look Mm -hmm. into what kind of program you want to do because you'll be doing nutrition in both places, but I think there's a little bit of a different trajectory and approach. Mm -hmm. Excellent, excellent, Dana. And you know, that's a great suggestion. You know, always, you obviously, whenever you start anything, you should be researching and, and especially because it's a health related career, you definitely want to do your research. How about your business? Are you looking to take this somewhere? Like what are your desires? Like where do you want to take this, this thing that you you have of your own, right? There's always passion with business. So do you think about (laughs) things like where you want to take it? Yeah, I'm very much an ideas person is there's always 27 things that I want to be doing, Uh (laughs) which I tend to take on too much sometimes. It's okay. Um, I think my number one will always be my clients and my patients and stuff because I really do love working with them. But like I mentioned before, I also have online courses. I also do my own podcast, which I love interviewing other people. It's just an excuse to talk to cool people about different conversations, you know? Yeah, so true. (laughs) Um, I used to do more of this, but I haven't been doing it as much, looking to get back into it. I also do um, food photography and recipe development for brands, which is like a natural extension of, you know, being a dietitian. Of course, yeah. Um, which is definitely hits more of my creative side, which I grew up playing music and doing art and doing sports and stuff. So I really kind of missed that. And I got, I don't want to say too clinical, but the focus of my business definitely shifted to mostly the clinical side. And I was kind of missing that creativity aspect. So I think finding a good balance that and then maybe one day I'll write a book, you know, who knows? (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. You know, we're as human beings, we always need to grow, right? So I like to ask that question to see where your mindset is around, especially people in business. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a huge component to what we do. And it's always about serving when you serve, yes. you grow, right? So, and your alignment is perfect. So, you know, definitely wish you all the best with that. And, um, 
And I want to thank you for coming on the show. And for the audience, you know, if anyone wants to learn more, you know, Dana is a, a, a very pleasing personality. You can contact her. She'll help you answer any questions you have. And, you know, uh, let's get out of the nine to five and let's get into some business. Again, thank you so much, Dana. Thank you for having me on. Thanks.